Well, good morning, everybody. I'm pretty excited. It's my first sermon here. So hopefully I see you again next week. <laughs> a, a couple of things that you need to know. So hopefully I, you brought snacks and I can get your undivided attention for the next 60 minutes. I don't know if they told you, you know, you are a Latino pastor. <laughs> no worries. I know your, your attention span lasts as long as your bottom does. So it will, it will not be that bad. The second thing, you might hear, since I'm speaking for a few minutes, um, that I, have, I say words maybe in ways that are not supposed to be said, uh, or can be confusing, you know? Uh, and it's all your fault, it's not mine. English language is very difficult. Like, talking, you know, there was this conversation, you know, there were two friends talking and, and one said to the other one, you know, I have so many problems with the English language because every word you say is begwi. And the friend says, like, what you say? Well, that the words in English are begwi. And the friend was like, no, no, it's not begwi, it's beg. And he said, see, every time I try to say something in English, my tongue gets twisted out. And the friend says, no, 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 it's not tongue it's tongue, it's not begwi, it's beg. Every time you see a word with a U and the E at the end, the U and the E are silent. And the friend goes like, okay, okay, let's not argue about it. So that should give you an idea of how complicated your language is. But let's, um, let's get into the passage that we have for today. We, we, I say we already, uh, we have been talking about the creed. I just jumped in in the last few Sundays. And they gave me the easiest part, everlasting life and resurrection. I'm very sarcastic here. Uh, but I like that Paul is one of the people that are talking about this. Uh, because he's one of the persons that I, I like the most in scripture. Because he doesn't play around. And this is what's going on in 1 Corinthians uh, verse 15, chapter, uh, verses, uh, chapter 15, verses 12 to 26. But something, if you are going to take something away from this sermon, something that I want you to take home and it's going to help you to remember most of the stuff, is that everything is about who Jesus is. Everything that we're going to talk about, everything, every sentence that you have repeated for the past few weeks about the creed is about who Jesus is. And this is what's going on in Corinth. Paul says, now, let me ask you something profound yet troubling. If you became believers because you trusted the proclamation that Christ is alive, risen from the dead, how can you let people say that there is no such a thing as resurrection? If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you stake your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we will be guilty of telling you straight, straight of bare-faced lies about God. All these affidavits we passed on to you, verifying that God raised up Christ, are just sheer fabrications if there is no resurrection. If corpuses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't raised because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, 
then you all are going to do is wandering about in the dark, as lost as ever. It is even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and resurrection, because they are already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're pretty, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. The first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. There is a nice symmetry in this. Dead initially came by a man and resurrection from dead came by a man. Everybody dies in Adam, everybody comes alive in Christ. But we have to wait our our turn. Christ is first, then those with him as his coming. The grand consummation, when after crushing the opposition, his hands over his kingdom to God, the Father. This is the word of God for us and all God's creation. Resurrection and eternal life. This is what we're going to be talking about today. And there is a lot to it. Resurrection and eternal life had a lot of theological things to it. But at the same time, as Christians every day, it's just, it's a given for us. But what's going on here specifically with Paul and what he's talking to the Corinthians, there are a couple of arguments. He's trying to ask them, what is the reason for resurrection and eternal life? Like, if we read this passage, we need to try to figure it out. According to Paul, what is the reason for resurrection and eternal life? Then the other question that we need to ask ourselves is, is eternal life a reward? And the third question that we need to ask ourselves is, how do we go about affirming and denying resurrection? Because different to what Paul is talking about here, we are not necessarily having those arguments on daily basis about resurrection or eternal life with other people. But everything, everything that we're going to be talking about has to do with who Jesus is. If, again, if you're going to remember something from today, it is that. Now, I have a son that likes to ask many questions, and the best way that I know how to express things to him so he can get it is starting with stories. So I need you to just travel with me for a second. Let me, let me share this story with you. Just try to, to imagine this story with me. So suddenly you wake up and you try to remember what was happening a few minutes ago. You were with friends, relaxing at your house, playing with them, when suddenly, something, um, suddenly a excruciating pain happens in your chest. And the last thing you remember is that you just fainted. Then you wake up and you're in this room. It's a beautiful room, giant, with a lot of light. And then somebody just calls your name and walks you through a whole way. And then you arrive to a big room with a big throne in it. And you see right there this giant, breathtaking, living being that looks at you and starts speaking to you. And it says to you, my name 
is Lucifer, and I am the angel, angel of light. I have cast down God and Christ to eternal death. Now in that moment, you start feeling fear. You're scared because you realize that you are in front of the enemy of everything that is good and truth. Now this living being keeps talking to you and says, it is I who holds the keys for eternal life. It is I who gets to decide where you're going to spend eternity. So then he stood up, looks at you and said, in my right hand, I hold eternal life. To everybody that bows down to me will spend an eternity of bliss. But in my left hand, hold eternal death. And to everybody that doesn't bow down to me will spend an eternity of death with Christ. Then looks at you and asks you, which one will you choose? Now this question is important. Because whether you like it or not, you feel yourself you feel that you are against the wall. Because for many of us, and for Christianity in general, what we sell to people is the idea that if you follow Christ, you will have eternal life and it's going to be everything you want. But if you realize that at the end, you find another being right there on the throne, which one will you choose? Is it eternal life, the reward that you're looking to get out of? following Christ, or is the path itself? See, the declaration that we get from the creed, it doesn't have anything to do with us, but it has everything to do with who Jesus is. Jesus and resurrection are synonymous. Saying that we believe in the resurrection is saying that we believe in the power over death. And saying that we believe in the power over death is saying that we recognize that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. Saying that we believe in the resurrection is saying that we believe that Jesus is not just the Son of God, but that Jesus is God. And this is what we are seeing from Paul in this passage. This is the argument that Paul is doing in this passage. He's saying, what the heck, people? Why are you allowing everybody to speak against the resurrection? What we believe does not make any sense without resurrection. What we believe doesn't make any sense without eternal life. And he's not saying that resurrection is the reward for following Christ. It's not like, if you follow Christ, you're a good person, the price is going to be, check, you're coming to eternity. What he's saying is, we, then by denying resurrection, by denying eternal life, what we are denying is the Lordship of Christ. And we are denying that God became human, not to give us eternal life, but to transform us. What Paul is pretty much saying here in verse 12 is, isn't just that Jesus is the Messiah and that he has been raised from the dead. Rather, we know that Jesus is the Messiah 
and we announce him as such because he is being risen from the dead. Resurrection is not Jesus' reward. Resurrection happens because of who Jesus is. Again, resurrection has nothing to do with us, has everything to do with Jesus. It's not that we have eternal life, or it's not that we are going to be resurrected because we follow Jesus. We are going to be resurrected. We're going to have eternal life because of who Jesus is. It's a very basic premise for my first sermon. Everything is about who Jesus is. Because if we affirm resurrection, if we affirm eternal life, if we affirm who Jesus is, we are declaring that Jesus had victory over death. Having victory over death means that he had victory over sin. And the only one that can have victory over death is the giver of life. Nobody else. Everything is about who Jesus is. This passage is about who Jesus is. If you pay attention, not even once in this whole argument, Paul says the word heaven. At any point, Paul is saying, uh, we need to affirm it because, you know, there are golden streets waiting for us. No. Actually, when he talks about life after that, he says that we belong to the Messiah. It's talking constantly about who Jesus is. It's getting the attention away from what we believe is a reward and directing it towards who Jesus is. Again, it's not that we will have eternal life because we follow Jesus. We will have eternal life because of whom Jesus is. Simple. It's not complicated. How do you know you will have eternal life? Well, I know who Jesus is. If you start the argument with, well, I have lived a good life. I uh, stay away from sin. I stay away from these pleasures. I only drink a glass of wine a day. I say no to meat. Not my case. I say yes to meat anytime. Just in case you, you wonder... Meat is my thing. My wife is more like a social meat eater. She only eats meat when we're with the wrong people. <laughs> but now, so we know. So what the importance of Paul's passage, Paul's argument was, it wasn't necessarily eternal life, but what denying and affirming eternal life meant. Denying or affirming eternal life says something about who do we think Jesus says. Then, eternal life as a reward? No. Eternal life is a gift. It's a gift. It's not something that we earn. It's something that is given to us because of who Jesus is. So if you're taking something home today, once again, everything is about who Jesus is. But now towards my third question. How do we affirm and how do we deny resurrection? You remember 
You remember the passage of the last judgment? That everybody comes. So Jesus is in front of all creation. Then suddenly he says to those that he put on his left, I don't know you. And they say, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was cold and you didn't cover me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. I was sick and you did not visit me. And they say, but Lord, when did we do that? And he said, well, every time you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And then to the ones on the right, he said, you are coming with me. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was cold, you covered me. And they say, Lord, when did we do that? And he said, when you did that for the least of this, you did it for me. Affirming or denying Jesus, affirming or denying eternal life and resurrection, it's not about what we say with our words. Anybody can go to seminary and just, just say the right answer. But leaving it is very, very different. So, having this conversation, and always focusing on Jesus liberating power and, and Jesus inspiration towards changes in society the question from people always comes saying like but what about resurrection you you don't talk a lot about resurrection like resurrection eternal life life after we die is not something that I do a lot I focus a lot and you will hear me hopefully in the next few years we'll see how it goes after this Sunday but you will see that I, I don't focus a lot on eternal life. I just put a lot of focus about what God is expecting from us today as followers of Christ. And because I do that, the question about do I affirm or I deny the resurrection always come. And the reality is, I deny the resurrection. All my friends, everybody that knows me, knows that I deny the resurrection. I deny the resurrection every time I don't serve my neighbor. I deny the resurrection every time I walk away for those that are poor. I deny the resurrection every time that I participate of an unjust system. But I affirm, I affirm the resurrection every time I stand with those that are on their knees. I affirm the resurrection every time I cry with those who tongues have been turned out. I affirm the resurrection every time I weep with those that have no more tears. We affirm or we deny the resurrection of Christ with every action we take with our own life. The only way people know if we stand for resurrection, if we stand for eternal life, it's according to the life we live and the decisions we make. Because those reasons for resurrection 
are the same reasons that are supposed to transform our lives.